educate yourself on the different processes of multifamily or commercial apartments or whatever space you want to get into, you know, and educating yourself on that space and then kind of picking something that you feel most comfortable bringing because there's there's so much value in teams, you know, there, there's deal finders, there's capital raisers, there's people that just analyze deals. So get something that you like doing about it and bring that to the table. What's going on, guys? This is Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals. Thank you for tuning in. Today, our guest is Brian Wagers from Wagers Capital. Brian is a very successful real estate investor, and he's a young guy. He owns 361 units. He's 29 years old. And this isn't some like BS. He passively invested in a syndication and is now pitching himself as the sole owner of all of these units. No, he started with a single family, and then he scaled up to mid-tier, mid-sized multifamily, and then he just kept getting bigger and bigger. And we talk a lot today about the mindset of success, what it takes to be successful, what you have to think you have to deal with, roadblocks you have to deal with, things that you have to blast through, and things that you need to know if you want to be successful. I, I, I think this is not just about real estate investing, just things you need to know when there's going to be rejection in your way, when you're trying to do bigger things than most people out there are trying to do. For the passive investors out there, if you're not interested in going and doing your deals all on your own, you need to find guys like Brian, and we've got Brian here today, who are out there who are doing deals, who are hustling, who are doing right by their investors. Get to know them, listen to them, watch what they do, and you know, connect with them and see if you're interested in partnering down the road. If you're not, that's fine. But he's here today and he's doing great stuff. So you should check it out. I learned a lot from Brian. I think, you know, I'm very active on bigger pockets, as many of you know. And we see so many threads about started by fairly young people who are concerned that their age is going to keep them back and getting in real estate. And we talk about that today, how Brian dealt with that and how he, I don't want to say worked around it, but how he just powered through being 25 and starting as a real estate investor and then now scaling up so considerably before he hit 30. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. Most people aren't willing to put in that work and Brian is, so kudos to him. This is great, very inspiring. I'm sure you're going to get fired up from this interview with Brian Wagers from Wagers Capital. For those of you who are new to the show, I'm your host, Taylor Vote. I'm a real estate investor, real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and share the return. Love talking with successful people who push through some kind of adversity like this, who do great big things and can teach us so many lessons about how to do big things like they've done. Thank you for tuning in once again. Without any further ado, here we go with Brian Wagers from Wagers Capital. Brian, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Taylor. Look forward to talking to you. Likewise, you have a really cool story, really inspiring, and you've done a lot of things that I guess other people are know, maybe afraid to do or, I don't know, hold themselves back from doing, but I don't want to bury the lead uh, too much here. Could you tell our listeners a bit about you know who you are and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, uh, I was born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, just but me and my mom growing up, I knew I always wanted to get involved in business in some sort of fashion. You know, my mom had her own recruiting company. My grandpa had his own air conditioning company. My uncle had his own magic show, traveling magic show, believe it or not. 
so I, I, I knew I wanted to get involved in business. I went to the University of Kentucky Business School, started in sales, commission-based sales. Uh, fast forward uh, about four years after that, I, I got started in real estate. Um, here we are, 361 units later, uh, 141 under contract right now, and really just feel like I'm getting started in this, this syndication game and this, this world of multifamily. That's awesome. And you're a super young guy still, and you got started when you were really young. And this topic comes up a lot, at least a topic of age or people feel like, you know, am I too young to get started? And then there are people who are, I don't know, fairly on the older end of the the spectrum. And they say, am I too old to get started? Do I, did I miss the boat? And obviously you weren't too young to get started in your mid twenties. So I mean, can you tell us about that and, you know, dealing with that, whether you felt some sense of imposter syndrome or not, like what were your thoughts about it at the time? Yeah, I, I think it's just a matter of just getting started, whether you're young or old, just, just getting started, you know, but for me, I, I listened, I, it was somewhere, maybe a bigger pockets episode where, you know, I, I started listening to these commercial guys. Something drew me to the the commercial real estate side of it. And, and all these guys wish they had gotten started earlier. So, you know, all these people had graduated from single family to commercial real estate and, and they wish they had gone either straight into commercial real estate or they had, you know, started earlier. So I think I've always had a, a fire under me to, you know, grow myself personally, you know, financially. And, uh, but I think that that kind of even had an even bigger fire, but and it really shouldn't be about, am I too old or too young? It should be, what's the limiting factor? It's how, how can I get, how can I get this done? And I, and I think what can you bring to the table is an important factor. So I, I just had that, that sense of urgency early on. So, I mean, as a, let's talk about your you know situation, especially when you were getting started, you hadn't done deals. I mean, how, what did you bring to the table? Because presumably, you know, mid 20s, it's not like you had a million bucks in cash to bring to a deal or something like that. So how did you add value to a team or build a team or, you know, get that first head of steam? Because people, we all say, you know, get started in real estate. But the big question is really how do you get started? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, for me, it was getting started with a, a single family. I, I thought I had to have you know, now looking back, you know, I, I don't think I necessarily needed to, but for me, that it was just a sense of confidence. I bought a single family house with some money that I had saved up over the years, you know, and for, I think it was just as soon as I got that single family house rented out, I knew I wanted to get into multifamily, you know, it was just as, but I, but before that, I knew I wanted to get into real estate. So I think just starting somewhere is a, is a big thing. But for me, it was just, underwriting deals, you know, a lot, a lot of what was underwriting. So I was underwriting, you know, about 20 deals and making offers, you know, nothing was sticking. Finally, one did stick um, and, and got that rented out. And, you know, I had that sense of confidence and, okay, I got this deal done, you know, it's cash flowing pretty good, you know, so I've got this experience. Hey, I've done a deal. I'm in, in real estate. And, you know, that's when I started to really look at multifamily. So, I mean, that still leaves the problem of, okay, so you you did a deal with your own capital, single family. And there are a lot of folks out there who, I don't want to seem like I'm uh, ragging on it or anything, but there are folks out there who buy a single family, buy another single family, maybe I'd buy a duplex, but they don't go single family, bigger multifamily, 361 units, you know, in just a couple of years. So there was some point in there where you made a change, you either built a team, joined a team, you started working with 
other people's money. And that that's like a big step, big disconnect. So you know, tell us about that and that process. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, I think it depends on people's goals too. You know, you know, buying a single family house a year for 10 years to have 10 single family houses, you know, that, that, that works for some people. But for me that I really wanted the economies of scale that multifamily provided. But so I found it a 12 plex that, that was on the market. It was actually on the market, 12 plex. And I had convinced a family member to put up money like for the down payment. So I, I had $125,000 to, to use, you know, I had I convinced them, showed them the numbers, printed out a spreadsheet, you know, Hey, here's worst case scenario. Here's best case scenario. And so I had this money. I knew that I had this money to, to bring to the table and, and we got the deal done. You know, the deal fell off the market, but I stayed in touch with a broker. Um, and and the, the deal actually went out of contract, you know, the previous contract, you know, went nil. So I was right there ready to close. You know, I was always following up with a broker, went up to his real estate page, you know, being persistent, you know, that, that's something that's still true to this day. Even if you make an offer on a deal and it doesn't close, sometimes, you know, there's that person isn't going to close. So it's good to stay on, in touch with those guys. But yeah, so it, it started with just a personal note. Hey, I said, you, you've, you've got some experience in single family, you have money in the bank, why not? I'll give you 8% return on your money. You have a second position on, uh, we'll have a second position on the, the property. And yeah, from there, steamrolled it. And what would you have done? Maybe you don't, you had, I don't know whether you've thought about this, but what would you have done if that person had backed out? You still, you know, you have this deal because did you have other options or, or I don't know, what are your thoughts about, about that? I mean, I'm sure you would have been creative, but did you yeah. have other ways to close? Right. That, that would have put me in a tough spot for sure. I think, I, I think I would have hit the phone book, you know, calling everybody I knew, you know, maybe it would have been a good thing for me starting on, you know, to have that. Cause I really didn't start letting people know what I'm doing, you know, letting people know about what I'm doing. So until I kind of capped out my family and friends money, but you know, I would have just started, you know, calling all my family and friends and let it, you know, tell showing, doing the same thing I did for, for that investor. Nice. So, I mean, the, the, I, you know, this, I don't want to get too far away from the question of the age and it obviously you don't seem to think it, it held you back at all. And obviously it didn't, but I mean, again, this question comes up all the time on bigger pockets on the forums. Uh, Oh, I'm fresh out of college. I'm in my early twenties. Uh, you know, I have a little bit of money, but can I go do a deal or I'm in my mid twenties or whatever? I want to go do commercial real estate. And, you know, I'm, I'm intimidated talking to brokers or any of those things, I guess, did you ever feel that or, you know, did you have to work past that? Yeah, you definitely have to uh, get comfortable getting uncomfortable for sure. I mean, like, yeah, it one, you have to have thick skin for sure. You're going to get told no, you're going to get not get your calls returned, but being persistent is so huge and in, in life and in multifamily, you know, that's a great thing. It, there's so many correlations, but you know, ju just start making the calls and you'll get better with every call and get better with every transaction, start practicing underwriting deals. You know, what can you bring? Do you know a lot of people with money or do you, are you good with numbers? Can you start analyzing deals? Try to find, you know, educate yourself on the different processes of multifamily or commercial apartments or whatever space you want to get into, you know, and educating yourself on that space. And then, Kind of picking something that you feel most comfortable bringing because there's 
there's so much value in teams. You know, there, there's deal finders, there's capital raisers, there's people that just analyze deals. So get something that you like doing about it and bring that to the table. But I think having those conversations early on is good. You know, let them know what you're doing and, and you can leverage the different people that you're talking to, too. You, you've talked to a lender, you can leverage that with your property manager. You know, I'm going to plan on financing with this bank, you know, or, or you talk to the commercial broker. I've talked to these property managers. Um, and, and so you're kind of building up that team as, as you go. Um, but, you know, th- if you have a clear vision on what you want, I think it'll definitely help you. So what... Um you know, I guess what tools or strategies do you use within your business to track all of those things? You know, okay, I need to remind myself that I need to call this broker in a month just to keep in touch with them and ask about this deal or something like that. Like, what strategies do you use there to just manage those things? Because you're probably not going to remember, I need to call this guy on the 18th next month just to say, how you doing? Yeah. And I think those strategies are always evolving too. You know, when I first get it, got started, you know, when it was just joint venturing, you know, getting, you know, just following up with a couple of family and friends, you know, keeping them updated uh, to now when, you know, now I'm syndicating deals. Uh, but for me, it was just creating, li- you know, okay. It was just as simple as creating lists on, on, on a piece of paper, like every, every person on your team, you know, creating okay, this is a person I need to contact. And then for me, outlook reminders are big. You know, people, we're so tied to our phone right now, you know, especially if people are busy. If you've set little pink, you know, make sure at night, every night I would go through and, you know, create a list of five people that I might need to reach out to the night before and put that on the next morning. And, you know, at the end of the day, I would go back through there and make sure that I had done that. And if I hadn't, I would put that on the next day. So I was really motivated to get those all done. So I'm not just, you know, keep building up things to do, but, you know, outlook reminders were big for me. And, you know, I think ending your day and starting your days with kind of your goals will definitely help. Mm, Okay. So uh, you mentioned a key word there. You were really motivated uh, to do these things. And we talk about mindset on the show a lot, the, the mentality of success, the mindset of success and strategies to keep your mindset in a successful place, I suppose, like when things aren't going right, you're getting rejection, whatever. Do you use any particular strategies to manage your mindset? I mean, there there are quite a few out there today. Meditation was kind of the sexy thing there for a couple of years. Now, you know, there was, uh, what's his name? Hal Elrod, he, uh, wrote, yeah. uh, his Miracle book, Morning. Miracle Morning. Do you do any of those to keep yourself on track? So I, so podcasts, were big for me, just always in the car and podcasts and eBooks and everything like that. Reading, reading was big for me. You know, a, a couple of your guests talk about think and grow rich, you know, that, that is big as far as mindset, Dale Carnegie, he has some really good books. So for me, it was reading books, listening to books, um, in the mornings, I, I work out first thing in the morning to really like clear my mind. And, you know, before I even work out, I, I, I try to journal a little bit too, but not, strict with a regimen of the miracle morning where you're brushing your teeth and taking a cold shower. And you know, I think whatever works for you, I think it's good to experiment with those things. I've tried that, you know, but for me, I, whatever you get the most value of your time. So for me, working out first thing in the, you know, waking up before am every day to, you know, journal a little bit and then go to the gym, you know, that works for me. You know, I can be, you know, try to do that for a month, but I, I think per, self-help, 
books are big too, you know, like I talked about think and grow rich and then yeah, podcasts are great. You know, you hear stories, you know, you interview a lot of good guys, you know, you hear on bigger pockets, there's a lot of success to a lot of people who are in the space and, you know, hearing those stories, it's pretty motivating when, you know, you feel like you've made a lot of offers and nothing seems to click. And then, you know, you hear these people who are coming up and doing it. It's like, okay, these guys are doing it too. So I think that that definitely helps uh, push through it. You know, if these people can do it, you can do it too. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. When you hear successful people who have, I don't know, 10 times as many units as you do say how many offers they make to get one accepted, you think, all right, so I'm not that far off. Like these guys right. are doing the same thing. So I'm, I'm heading down the right path. Yeah. For like, for competitive people, especially, you know, whether you played sports or not, you know, it's like this, okay. I'm sure there's other 29 year olds who have thousand, you know, I'm pretty sure I've seen them pop up on these podcasts and it's like, am I not making enough calls? Am I not making enough? Like I need to be pushing it harder, you know? You know? So it's definitely motivating seeing that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to dig in. I think we'd be a little remiss if we didn't talk about the types of deals you're doing now, you know, as you scaled up from single family now to 361 units and you've got a few more on the way. Um, Like, what are you looking for, especially now, you know, when this goes live, I'm sure we're still going to be in the midst of COVID to some degree. So, you know, and what are you seeing as far as the COVID impact? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, that's another part of the business that's involved before, you know, I was riding around, you know, C-class neighborhoods, I guess you could say, writing down addresses of distressed looking properties and everything like that. And now here we are evolving uh, to a different, you know, more structured way of finding deals and, and doing deals. But as far as COVID goes, you know, I it seems like a lot of people are are looking to sell right now, but they still want some some of the high prices, even though there are some rent freezes in places. Um, but I think it depends on the market too, because you see some markets that are a lot more affected by the shutdown, and and a lot of it has to do with who's an you know, you can't always just point the finger at, at the politicians, but you know, not to get crazy political, but it, it does have a, a effect on you know the the econ- the local economy. So I think it depends on the market that you're looking at, who's running that economy, what kind of employers are in the area are big, you know, are they essential employers? You know, so the markets that I'm I'm looking at, you know, that that's a big factor when you're when you're underwriting deals. What kind of employers are, do they have? Place are these places that can work from home, or are they related to the you know the food industry is a good you know res- recession resistant uh, industry. You know, you're going to have people in food processing plants. You know, especially you know which I go after is C C class is primarily my target. Uh, so a lot of you know blue collar people are working in you know, those, those food processing plants and, uh, uh, food industry related jobs, but you can't do that from home and people always have to eat. So I think that's something we look at when we're expanding from our current market too. Yeah. I'm some, one of my properties is very similar. Uh, in Texas, we have, a quite a few of our tenants work at a local, I forget exactly what kind of meat packing plant it is, but I don't like to think about it too much, but they stay right, employed. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good good uh, indicator, you know, being you know recession resistant, and it's a totally different you know recession than you know factors than like the housing. You know, now it's just this airborne thing that 
you know, we could go off the deep end on that, but you know, it's just, a, it, it's just being, what kind of factors are you looking at? And, you know, I think the market, it plays a big part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Right now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Brian, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Yeah. So I would say it was a 22 unit deal that I was able to get the seller to finance a, a, a portion of the down payment. Um, and I was able to bring about $40,000 of my own money. Um, but I was able to get into a about a million and a half dollar valued property for, you know, $40,000 of my own money. So it was a great investment. You know, I, my, I showed my lender the business plan and they were able to finance some of the construction and it's one of my be better performing as far as in my personal portfolio. So definitely my best investment for so far. Nice. That's awesome. That's great. We had the best investment. Now we go to the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Uh, so I bought GoPro, you know, right before they were talking about going into the drone industry. And I thought I had made a little bit money on this little pharmaceutical company. And I thought I had the stock market figured out. And, you know, <laughs> I, I, I looked at GoPro and it was at $35. And about a month later, it, it went to $5. Um, so that hurt. But I also want to thank GoPro because that is one of the reasons why I got involved in real estate is because just watching this, you know, it, it kind of drove me crazy watching the stock market go up and down, you know, and having no control over what a, what a company does. So, you know, it was a, it was a worst as far as return on investment, but as far as mindset, it was definitely very helpful. Nice. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson that you've learned in business and investing? Yeah, I think we talked a little bit about it before, but like getting uncomfortable, you know, getting comfortable, getting uncomfortable. So really pushing through, going one more, doing things when you don't feel like it, you know, a lot of the breakthroughs that I've had is, have been when I didn't really feel, you know, I was kind of tired or I didn't really want to do something, but I did it anyways because I knew my goals and I knew I wanted what I wanted to do. So I feel like some of those were the better breakthroughs I, I had. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well. Brian, thank you for joining us today. You have such an inspiring story and, and work ethic, and you're super humble about it too, which is even more impressive. If folks want to get in touch with you, they want to learn more about your syndication business, if they want to learn more about doing big deals when they're in their 20s and get rid of, getting rid of some of that you know, imposter syndrome, whatever, where can they find you? Yeah, uh, wagerscapital.com. Uh, there's a lot of information on there. Um, or just email me, brian at wagerscapital.com. That's W-A-G-E-R-S and Brian with an I. All right, Brian, thanks for joining us once again today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Very much appreciated. It helps other people learn about the show. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thanks for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and a great week. And we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.